Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our study this season is titled Jesus and Me Today. We know Jesus is coming back. With that in mind, what does your today look like? Here's Jacqueline. We are here ready to do our study on the glorious appearing. We have started our study on Jesus and me today, and if there's anything that wraps our mind around Jesus and me today, it's the phrase, the glorious appearing. Isn't it what we're waiting for? It's what this whole study is all about. On that behalf, we're going to do a study on Titus. It's a small letter written from Paul to Titus, 46 verses in length. Small, small, personal, intimate letter. But before we get to Titus, I'm going to read a couple verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning in verse 31. It says, So, Paul says to the church in Corinth, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Then he gives this very, very important advice. He says, Give no offense to Jews. Interesting. Give no offense to Jews. Give no offense to Greeks. And give no offense to the church of God, all three being very unique, very personal, very individual situations, things to think through, things to truly ponder individually, each of us. Give no offense to Jews, give no offense to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I, Paul says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, for one reason. And that, he says, is that they may be saved. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to do this study about Jesus and about me and about today. What a personal, personal study this has been. It's been a study where each and every one of us have had the opportunity to silence the world around us, silence our thoughts, silence our longings, silence who we think we are and who we think we ought to be and just sit in the name of Jesus, and to ponder his name. I thank you so much for that intimacy that you've given to us, just in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you've used this study to grow us in who we are, as we are, where we are. Thank you for opening our eyes to our value, to our worth as the daughter of the King. Help us to remain steadfast, Help us to remain set, our eyes, our heart, our longings on you. And I pray that you help us to do that today. Today, no matter what day is today, that will you live and focus and love today. I pray that you'll grow us in that as we study Titus today. I pray that you'll help us to keep our eyes on that glorious appearing but that you'll see, that you'll allow us to see exactly what it is that I, Jacqueline, need to do as I wait, and that each and every girl that studies with this study today will see what her job is as she waits for the glorious appearing. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Titus. We are not going to do a background check on Titus because I want to read the letter. We're going to focus there. Uh, we do get some indications as we read through that we, off, that we know that the author is Paul. We know that the receiver is Titus. So with that, I encourage each of us to read this letter 
not as Paul and not as Titus, but as a viewer, if you will, of what's being said. So if I can encourage us to not take this letter personal, am I allowed to say that about scripture? Don't take this personal. Listen, listen to it as you are overhearing a conversation, a personal conversation from a man named Paul to a man named Titus, very specific, very personal letter. We're going to see that Titus is given a job, very specific job with different obligations. Sometimes we read this letter specifically and we take on Titus's obligation and we start throwing stones. Let us not do that. Sometimes we read this letter specifically and we um, flare up with our personal opinions and get angry at a set of words that is in this letter. Can we not do that? Can we not hear this as modern day girls, but as an overhearer of a conversation between Paul and Titus? Deal? Remove yourself from this and let's see what's going on in the story. Paul opens the letter by his name, as he always does. He says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, fascinating statement in regards to this letter. He promised before the ages began and at the t proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I, Paul, have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. His confidence never, never, oh, and it's, how do I want to say this? His confidence is always seen. And I love that about him. So many times we cower away from, oh, this is who I am. This is what I need to be. Paul's like, no, this is who I am. This is who I need to be because this is what God has given me to be. He says, I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior, to speak the word of God. Verse four, he says, this letter is written to Titus, my true child in a common faith. This one little thing tells us three things. His name is Titus. He was saved under Paul's leadership and he was saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Those are cool things to know about somebody, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing when you get to sit across the table from somebody and ask them, do you know Jesus? And see that light on their face and then ask them, how? When did you meet Jesus? Is that not the coolest thing to know about somebody? It's fun to know the favorite chocolate. Lord have mercy. We know that about one another. But to know how you met Jesus, how we have this common faith, it's the coolest thing to know about somebody. And Paul allows us to know that about Titus. He has that common faith. And then he wishes him grace and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then there's this statement, and I love this statement. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. This makes me want to sit back and wonder what conversations have those two men had in the past? Did Titus send a note to Paul and say, why why did you do what you did? Why am I here? Do you not know what Crete is all about? Crete is a fascinating city, fascinating city. And we're not going to take time to study it, but you'll get tidbits about it as we read through. There's power in reading the, the word of God. 
But if you do want a deeper study, look up the city of Crete in biblical times. Interesting reputation. So Titus has a valid question. Why am I here? None of us have ever asked that question before, have we? Mm -hmm. In our situations, in our opportunities to serve the Lord King, we ask, why am I here? And Paul starts right from the front. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you, Titus, might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. This is his job. His job is to stay and build up the positional body of Christ from town to town to town. It's quite the job. Is that a job you would like <laughs> to go around? Because it's a job that comes with a little bit of discernment and proper righteous judgment. So you get to go into one town, into their church, and look around and observe how people behave and say, you, I see quality in you. I want you to be the leader of this church. You, I see quality in you. I want you to be an elder in this church. It's not intimidating at all. This is Titus's job. Verse six, he says, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. But let him be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine. That's the doctrine that Jesus Christ came, was in the flesh, died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven. That's the doctrine, nothing else. And that this man is able also to rebuke those who contradict the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this, if you will, is his checklist that he needs to take in from town to town around Crete and say, I need to find this person to run this church. How long did that take? Consider how long that would take, because that's not something that you can go around with your button, say, I'm the person that you're looking for. It's your character. It spills out of you in conversation and worship and service and cleaning up after people and giving water to somebody who's thirsty. It's these things that he had to go town to town to town and observe. And then boldly say, I see these qualities in you. Let me rise you up. It's intimidating. It's hard work. It's not letting your flesh get in the way. It's one thing Titus had to make sure he's not saying, oh, I like you. We're friends. I'm going to give you position. Ha. Ah, it's a lot of wisdom in what God is asking Paul to ask Titus to do for the kingdom of God. Verse 10 he says, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. You can feel Paul's passion as he writes this letter. He says, those people must be silenced. 
since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. He says this is the issue that's going on in Crete, specifically in the realm of religion, is there are Jewish people, the circumcision party, that are coming in and saying to saved Christians, you need to be circumcised. And I want financial gain from your circumcision because it's holy and biblical and of God. And Paul says that's disgusting. It's gross. It needs to be silenced. Titus, that is your job. Go silence the Jews that are speaking inappropriately. Okay, that's why I'm here. To build up the position of the body of Christ and town to town to town and also do silence the Jews that are forcing rules and laws and religious gain over the new Christians. That's my job. That's what Titus is called to do. It says in verse 12, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, this particular prophet wrote these words, and the words are this, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So we see what Titus is called to do, and we see what Titus has to work with. Have you ever had to work with people? <laughs> We have adjectives, right? Did an adjective just go through your head of the people you get to work with? Here's the adjectives that Titus has that were written, that, a pro that all the Cretans know this is said about them. This is their reputation of a town. This is the reputation of the unsaved people of the town. This is the reputation of the Christians of the town. And herein lies the heart issue of Crete. People were believing in Jesus for the first time. These are first century Christians, are they not? In this town, first century Christians were rising up and hearing that Jesus rose again and thinking that is amazing. And their whole heart and mind believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they put their faith and belief in Jesus. But because of the town that they were in and the lack of authority and Christian fellowship that they had, they were saying, I believe in Jesus and continuing in the reputation of a Crete. There was no difference. So the world behaved this way and the Christian behaved this way and there was no difference. And Titus was told to go into the churches one after another and say, I need to find a man who has value to run this church, but yet everybody was behaving exactly the same. Do you see how difficult Titus's job was? Verse 13, it says, this testimony is true. The testimony of what Cretans are known as. It's a true testimony. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. I would not want Titus's job. Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith of Jesus Christ, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Don't worry about the religion that's going on in your town, but be pure. For those that are pure, all things are pure. Oh, I pray that we all take that sentence for, to our heart. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and the unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. The statement is said of those of the Jews, and the statement is said of those that are saved, but have no idea what to do with their salvation. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, they are disobedient, and they are unfit for any good work. Wrap your head around receiving that letter from Paul. And then he says, 
But as for you, teach, teach. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Again, going back up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, teach that. And then he gives these words. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Do we not want to pray this over our older men? He says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, so to train the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, be self-controlled, be pure, work at home, be kind and submissive to their own husbands. Do we not want to pray this over our older women and over our younger women? And then he says, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Do we not want to pray this over our younger men? There's power in these verses. May they turn our power or turn our hearts and our minds into praying these words over those around us. Pray over those older men that are in our lives. Pray for those older women that are in our lives. Pray for those younger women that are in our lives. And as the mom of a 15-year-old boy, pray these words over the younger men in our lives. Oh, what power can come from a town if we take time to pray this over those around us. He says to Titus, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. He says, Titus, what you're looking for from others, show it. Show it. This town gets drawn to one another. So one person behaves this way, and the other person's like, ooh. And they're just passing over debauchery and lies and evil intentions, and they're just following suit. Titus was called to go to Crete and to take a stand. Be different. Be different from the world. What if we were given that same call? It says, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so then everything that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. I love that phrase. I've been pondering that phrase all day, and I pray that phrase continues on my heart, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Oh, to wear something so beautiful. Verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, training us to renounce worldly passions. Do you see where our training came from? Our training comes from the grace of God that has appeared, the grace of God that has brought salvation for all people. That's to Crete, that's to you, that's to me, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Again, this is Paul talking specifically to Titus, specifically over this town of Crete. And he gives this word of exhortation. He says, the grace of God has appeared so that as we are waiting in verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, who is Jesus Christ? 
Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Time after time after time, we see the phrase good works in this tiny little letter. Those that are fit for good works and those are unfit for good works. This city of Crete needed to know what it meant to demonstrate good works. Don't you wish we could know what that means? Could it be this phrase right here? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. And it goes on detail after detail after detail. These Christians that were getting saved in Crete, but still living the debauchery of the town needed to know who they were and what they were called to be. They needed to be given freedom from the sin that surrounded them. Oh, how beautiful to have freedom from sin. This is what Titus was told to do. Go free a city. Go free a city and let them know you don't have to be known as a Cretan anymore. You have a new name. Your new name is Christian. This is what that looks like. Oh, it gives me chills. Verse 15. He says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. I wonder if Titus fell on his knees at that point. He says, declare these things, all these things, every depth of every word, declare these things and do it in two ways. Exhort them and rebuke them. He says, lift them up and build them up. Rebuke is not a push down. We hear exhort and we think, oh, let's lift them up. And we hear rebuke and we think, let's put them down. That's not a putting down. That's a building them up. Sometimes we do this as moms. Sometimes we exhort our children and we rebuke them. But when we rebuke them, it's not in a negative form. It's in a positive form. It's saying, this is what you're doing and we need to do it this way. And we point them up. Let us never put our children down with our words. Let us never do this with our Christian people that are around us. Declare these things, exhort them and rebuke them with all authority. Claim the name of of Jesus Christ when you do the good work that God has called you to do. Let no one disregard you. The silence I just feel on Titus's heart as he heard that. The ending of the letter says this, and it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Paul writes, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready, and here we see it again, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. Do you see the religious quarreling that's taking place? He says, avoid it. Be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. We were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We passed our days in malice and envy. We hated others and others hated us. And I love how every time Paul writes a letter to anyone, he always reminds them who they were. Isn't that interesting? So many times we want to forget who we were. But according to Paul, I feel if we remember who we were, it helps us remind, remember even more who we are without pride. 
without saying, this is what I've done. This is my good work. Let me show you what I can do. It's remembering who you were and you can see the spirit did this and the spirit did this and the spirit did this and the spirit did this. Those are the good works, not our good works. It's the Holy Spirit's good work in us that grows us to be who we are today. Those are the good works. What we do when the Holy Spirit does the works is we let him. Don't fight the Holy Spirit. You want to do something good? You want to do good works? Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let him do that. Accept it. And don't let your mind go back. Stay where the Holy Spirit has you today. Those are your good works. And then see what the Lord will do with your hands from there. See where he guides your feet from there. Let me see where I am. Verse 4. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, and watch for the Trinity in this passage, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Don't ever forget that. God saved us, not because of the good works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ. Do you see how God saved us, washed us through the Spirit, and has poured out upon us Jesus Christ? So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You could write Romans 8 right next to that passage. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and they're profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies. This is such wise advice for Titus who is in the midst of turning a town upside down. He says, don't get caught up in controversies, in genealogies. That's religious dissensions and quarrels about law for they are unprofitable and they are worthless when you go around house to house town to town to build up the position of the church people are going to want to have a silly conversation with you but don't you know don't even bother with it not good freedom don't don't waste your words is what paul is saying don't waste your words there's work to be done words not your job Say what you need to say. Don't say anything else. As for a person who stirs up division, and this takes me back to 1 Corinthians 1 that we read the very beginning of our Jesus and me today study. He says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once, and then after warning him twice, have nothing more to do with him. This is good mom advice. Somebody's causing division, in your girlfriends, in your Bible study, in your church, in your home, in your, wherever your situation is, this is good advice. Give warning once. Give warning twice. Don't waste your words. What would happen if we did that as a mom? Instead of that one, two, two and a half, <laughs> give one warning. They don't listen. Give a second warning. They don't listen. Consequence will happen. We know that. We've lived that. We've, we've learned that ourselves, and we're still going to learn that as ourselves because we're human. We're always going to learn this. Let our children learn this young. 
Maybe if they learn this young, they won't have to learn it as hard as we had to learn as an adult. Have nothing to do with him. Have a little bit of love if you're going to apply this to your, <laughs> to your children. Have a little bit of love for them. But when it comes to those that are wanting to stir up religious issues and want to go back to the law, don't waste your words. Knowing that such a person is warped, I love Paul, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Let him sit in that. Jesus can handle that, not your job. And then he concludes, and I love his conclusions, they're always so sweet. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Love his longing to see his people. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Come join me when you can. Do your best. In the meantime, till you get to come join me, do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I do love how he makes it so practical and helpful at the end. So there's so many people in your town that want to demonstrate. They like to show who they are. And instead of saying here, I am known as a Crete, I am known as a liar, an evil beast, and a lazy glutton. <laughs> if you want to do something to show that you're not these three things, why don't you financially help those that are coming to me? So instead of being a lazy glutton, let me give a dollar over here. But then that means I can't put my dollar over my gluttony. Oh, it's practical application. How smoothly he throws that in, doesn't he? He says, let's use your money for good. And there's so many opportunities of good works. Again, it's the Holy Spirit in us, but he gives something practical that Titus can give to his people. Instead of being known as a Cretan, why don't you come stand with me and let's take care of those that are spreading the word of God. Let's start there. Isn't that a good place to start? All who are with me, Paul says, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And he ends his letter. Jesus is coming again. Today we are studying Jesus and me today. Your good works is the Holy Spirit in you as we wait. What does that look like? What does that look like? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this sweet letter. This letter that you laid on Paul's heart to give to Titus. We thank you so much for Titus's faithfulness, his willingness to be in a town known as Crete. How hard that must have been. I picture myself in his shoes and how I would want to just kind of curl up on my bed sometimes and not, not enter the world that you have asked me to enter. But I thank you so much for fueling Titus with the passion and the power and the authority that he needed to do the good works that you needed him to do at that moment at a time that was needful. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with those of us that sat on the sidelines and listened to this conversation. I wonder how many of us are wondering what our good works are. I wonder how many of us are picturing the people that we are to impact around us. Holy Spirit, speak. I pray that you'll guide our eyes, help us to see what the Holy Spirit is working in us to do. Lord, whether it feels too big for us, or whether it seems too simple, 
I pray that we will not stop the Holy Spirit from doing his good works through us. I pray that you'll help us to stay focused on Jesus, on me today, so that the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit needs to do. Help us to trust him and to follow him and to see, to see what God wants us to do. Grow us, I pray. Grow us in who we are. Help us, help us to do what you've asked us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.